Welcome to the Center for Diversity Leadership, where we are supporting school leaders together across the nation as they create school cultures that ensure all students are seen, valued, celebrated, and heard. I am Dr. Edgardo Castro and my co-fellow, Dr. Ryan Daniel, uh, she's not here today, and we are the fellows in this work. We are so fortunate today. Our amazing, excellent guest today is Dr. Jennifer Han. She is actually the assistant professor, coordinator of Masters in Education in Educational Leadership Programs, director of online and distance education, Seoul Ross State University. Dr. Han, I am so pleased and this is such an excellent moment for you to really deep dive um, the intersectionality of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belongingness. I know your background. I was one of your students in the graduate program at NMSU. I am so proud of you. You are now moving on to your next chapter of your life. You are the director and, of course, in charge of that uh, educational uh, leadership programs. Um, I, I This interview should be just fluid, but let me just ask you this first question. Share with us, our podcast participants and listeners, how the intersectionality of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belongingness relates or connects to a person's background and experiences. And of course, feel free to share your Japanese, Korean, American heritage. Thank you, Dr. Han. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Castro, for inviting me. Um, I was really excited to um, hear about the topic for this podcast, which um, was about the intersectionality of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belongingness. And a lot of times we don't hear that loud last term of belongingness, but I think that's one of the most important terms that we can use when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, that sense of belonging that relates to and aligns with the concept of intersectionality. So, so about my a little bit about my experience um so i every person is the an example of intersectionality right but for my uh for my um experience my intersectionality has to do with so many different things it's i'm not just one thing i'm as a person i'm not just one thing i'm not just korean american or japanese or Asian American. I'm so many different things. So I am Japanese Korean, uh, Japanese American and Korean American. And I'm a middle-aged woman. I am, uh, you know, was born in the United States. So I have my own experiences as such um, with racism, sexism, and ageism. And those things that are are things that I experience kind of all at once. And at the same time, my identity also 
is. So as a cisgender, uh, U.S. citizen, native English speaker, I know that I have privileges that those who are um, transgender don't have, or those who are homeless don't have, or those who are non-citizens have. So my identity is so many different things based on gender, race, um, sexual identity, um, age, uh, socioeconomic status, all of those things are me. So when someone looks at me as Dr. Han, they they may see one thing on the surface, but I'm really made up of so many different things that intersect. And um, what it's made me realize is that you don't have to belong to a group in terms of how that group defines itself in order to support and promote the principles of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belongingness. That is such a powerful example of the intersectionality, your background, your experience, Dr. Han, and wow, what a way to start this podcast. And so I know you have been a leader, a school principal, and a district leader as well at some point. Um, how can a school K-12 leader now uh, continues to rethink creative ideas on what DEIB means and how to apply them regularly within the community? Will you please just share with us your top one or two um, things to prioritize the goals and objectives as a school leader? Yes, absolutely. That it, it's such a difficult task, right? To to be responsible for um, um, bringing alive the principles of DEIB, right? So I think the best way that a um, leader can apply those principles is to embed those principles into everything that you do as a campus leader. So. Um, Diversity, equity, inclusion, and belongingness should be a mindset that you use to develop everything from your professional development goals, student achievement goals, to the enhancement of your campus culture. All of those things should be at the forefront of your mind as you develop goals. So they shouldn't be just things that, oh, okay, uh, that's going to be a separate goal that I'm going to have different metrics to measure, um, but rather embed those and think of those in everything that you do as a campus leader. Another thing that I think is really important um, is to for a leader to build genuine relationships with everyone on that campus. And when I mean everyone, I mean the teachers, obviously the students, obviously your faculty, your support staff, your groundskeepers, your parents, everyone who's involved with that campus is a person and an individual with an identity. You want to definitely build genuine relationships with that individual. Understanding that diversity, equity, inclusion, and belongingness is something that you espouse to and that you think everybody has an important role to play in. Um, one more thing is that I really 
that leaders need to address the hard stuff. Um, like if there is someone who demonstrates implicit or explicit bias about certain groups, we need to address that. We can't shy away from it. We need to address that with the spirit of everybody is a learner. Everybody is learning. Each of us has so far to go in terms of our understanding of people who are different from us. And we have to be gentle and kind to ourselves. And we have to be gentle and kind to others who are on that path as well. Wow. <laughs> that's that's just an amazing top three or five things that to prioritize as a school leader. Thank you so much. Well, <clears throat> I'm sure you know the National Association of Elementary School Principals, the Center for Diversity Leadership. One of the goals and objectives to provide awareness and understanding on how diversity is celebrated in schools and within the community. Would you or will you please share with us your experience as a K-12 principal, again, as a central officer, director, to, uh, how to relate them when it comes to curriculum, instruction, and assessment, a triangulated version that were, uh, it encompasses the three, the CIA. <laughs> yes, and I, I think the immediate um, uh, go-to response is to um, align ourselves with sort of the national monthly uh, celebrations. So we're finishing up February, which is Black History Month, and we're going to go into March and April, May and June. And every month seems to have its own designated culture that we are supposed to celebrate, which I think is a really good thing because it it, it there's a place, right, where everybody's culture is celebrated. But again, I always go back to embedding the principles of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belongingness in everything that we do. So whether we're a campus leader or a department leader, we need to infuse those principles into everything we everything we do and move beyond those obvious kind of holiday or or monthly celebratory occasions or recognitions. Um, and I think in terms of curriculum instruction and assessment, I think we really need to um, move beyond sort of the obvious uh, departments or um, or um, subject areas in our curriculum that we feel belong to DEIB. Um, for instance, you know, one of the main re ways that we incorporate principles and in curriculum instruction assessment is through the adoption of instructional materials, right? And that's obviously very important because we need representation. Our students need representation um, of their identities and, and their uh, sense of belongingness. They need to see themselves in the curriculum. But we need to also embed those principles in our professional development plans. And the, what I mean by that is to um, undergird our professional development initiatives with the idea that we want equity of student outcomes, regardless of student background or identity. So that needs to undergird what we do with our teachers to increase their effectiveness. 
And then another example would be to um, uh, support DEIB principles in instructional technology implementation. So when we think of accessibility of materials or accessibility of online learning, we need to think about all of our learners who may be visually impaired or, uh, or hearing impaired. We need to think of DEIB as more than just um, racial, ethnic, or, or linguistic diversity, but we also have to think about um, the other identities that our students have um, as either able-bodied um, people or as U.S. citizens or as um, uh, LGBTQIA plus um, uh, identities. So we have to think of all of those things and not just relegate those things to to federal programs or just instructional materials adoption. Wow. There are so many questions to ask, Dr. Han, and I know it's only 15 minutes. Um, it is not enough. And because this is catered to um podcast where people can hear while driving from home to their workplace to school. Um, I'm sure we will make a follow-up because it is just so many ideas that you're trying to share with us today. But if there's one thing, one idea that you would like to share to assistant principals out there that were listening right now, what is that? And go ahead. We have like a minute and a half. <laughs> okay. All right. So assistant principals are such an important important uh, aspect of our campus cultures. And, you know, I know as an assistant principal, many times we're given the duty of discipline, right? But I think we can most effectively implement DEIB principles when we implement discipline or we when we, um, you know, can uh, handle discipline is to ask ourselves about our own implicit biases and the assumptions that we make about students and their identity. Um, so one example of a question you can ask yourself when you're dealing with discipline is, what is my definition of suspicious or shady behavior. You know, we always kind of name that as um, as a reason for following up with discipline, right? But how do we define suspicious or shady? Another question to ask ourselves is, if this student, my child, or a friend of mine's child, would I treat this child the same as I'm treating the child right now? You know, you think about that about the relationship you have to the child. And you need to also think about how you can address a situation without it being a disciplinary action. So I'm focusing mainly on discipline because I know that principles do the most is discipline. And the most important thing you, you can do is check that those implicit biases that you may have or those assumptions that you may have. Wow, thank you so much, Dr. Han. And everybody, let's give a round of applause to Dr. Jennifer Han. This is such a pleasure and a treat for all of us here. We will surely get in touch for you for a follow-up, if you don't mind. And this is the NASP Center for Diversity Leadership. Mm -hmm.